Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro. Uno, dos, uno, dos, uno, dos, tres, cuatro. My name is Paula Gillen. Claudia Yatskin. Crystal Black. Aurelio Fargoni. David Jimenez. Eric Daniel Aguilar. Alex Sanchez Bressler. Baitza. Daniela Lopez. Juan Pablo Gonzalez. Lizette Clifton. Elizabeth Barajona. Annabelle Maya. Maria Carrasco. Jessica Mencia. Jair Ovalle. Maria Paula Ochoa. Simone Singleton. Catalina Berenblum Tobi. Naira Inez Ward. Norma de Jesus. Samantha Garza. Lilian Guadalupe Bravo. Carlos Barrero Castelo. And that's it. Wow, that was so beautiful. Thank you. Wow, oh my God, I'm just going to replay that every day before I go to sleep. This is Eliza Moreno. And Chandler Phillips. And you're listening to Mezcla de Melanina. My name is David Jimenez. Maria Paula Ochoa. Crystal Black. Aurelio Falconi. Perfect. Who do you identify as? Latino. I'm Colombian. A mixed woman. I'm half black, half Panamanian. I'm kind of, I kind of would say I'm Afro-Latina. That's a broad question. Um, I think there are many facets to my identity. Um, I would consider myself a gay, Latino, male. Um, I'm Ecuadorian. Uh, I identify as, um, I'd say, someone who's also trying to better himself, better the world, that's more of an abstract. Um, someone who loves science, interested in becoming a doctor, helping people. I identify as Aurelio. Hello, everyone. Hi. Thanks for joining us again. Um, for those who weren't here last time, my name is Chandler Phillips. And I'm Eliza Moreno. And we are here with you from The Bridge, an online publication that celebrates the beauty and talents of Latina and Black women. Yes, and you are listening to Mezcla de Melanina, which is a, a three-series podcast where we will be sharing with you the stories and experiences of folks who identify as Latinx or Hispanic or, or fall within, within the community. Um, especially within the current context, it's really important to listen and to um, acknowledge the experiences of, of a wide variety of people. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so last time we talked about the diversity of the Latinx community. On, and on this podcast, we are going to talk about the complexity. So the multifacetedness of identity, um, what these people are going through, their experiences and their stories. So you just heard from four of the people that um, we interviewed and you'll hear from another four as well. Um, so throughout, just sit back and, and, and listen and learn and appreciate um, the, the stories that they were so kind enough to share with us. Yeah, thanks for joining us.
So what does being Latino mean to you? It can mean different things. So for one, I have this instant community of other Colombians and it's literally so cool. And every time you meet someone else or like you hear like some food they're talking about or like you see a jersey, it's like, hi, like we're friends, we're family. Um, to me, it means a heritage. Um, and really, I mean, to me, I grew up, that means family. Honestly, I think that's the biggest part of my Latino heritage is is the importance that family brings and, and kind of how that's molded me as a person. I moved here when I was 11, um, so didn't know a drop of English, and it's just kind of been a journey of my whole family, like, learning, and I'm the oldest, so I was the first one to, like, learn the language and kind of, like, take my family everywhere, like, let's buy a house, and little Maria would translate. Um, so that's been definitely fun. Um, growing up, I was always super happy having my Latino culture, my Latino family, growing up with that um we I would always just have the best time at our like get-togethers you know whether it be for a party for a birthday um just to celebrate you know congratulate someone for something it was always really nice having fam I think family is a huge aspect of my Latino culture and I um weigh that a lot with part of who I am you know family comes first for a lot of things for me family number one my family just they're amazing like they're full of life they're full of energy and honestly my family we are of all skin we're from all skin colors and my family's just like a really energetic bunch I miss them so much and whenever every time I go back to Panama like I, I just I'm so appreciative of having a family like that Hey, Simone, so just gonna hop in, what do you identify as? Um, so even that is a complex question. Um, I used to identify as black and Mexican, um, but now I've slowly moved my way into identifying as Afro-Latina. Um, I am one person, and so I don't like the idea of um, being black and Mexican as if those two identities are separate within me as a person, like they meld and they mesh and they clash. Um, and so I feel that like Afro-Latina is helpful for that because it kind of unifies it as one word. But even in that, like my blackness is not Latin American, right? Like it's African American. That is like the blackness of my roots. So that's where the complexity comes as to like a different black experiences and whether or not like transnationalism is encompassed in Afro-Latina. Yes. Um, what does it mean to you to be Afro-Latina at Duke? Um, it's, it's a dual-sided thing. I think on one end, it means I get to experience a lot of really interesting and dynamic cultures of people who are used to being silenced and have found their voices, which is beautiful. Um, but on the other end, I've also felt like I didn't really fit in either, although I have found more comfort in the black community than I have in the Latino community. Um, there is a, a complexity to that identity that I don't think is really explored in either of those. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say to those who strongly believe that there is this monolithic form of what it means to be any form of Latina identified? I think that argument falls apart super quickly once you start to question how you define that. Um, because it's not really simple, it's not really language, right? It's, it's not skin color, it's not um, nationality. So it's unified by this cultural experience, by location sometimes, but I think it's, it would be unfair to kind of create any one identity. And it also 
it takes all the beauty out of being Latina as well because there's so much beauty in the individuality and in the diversity of experiences that can come together and share this identity. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes there's like this idea of like what it means to be enough of something, mm -hmm. right? Um, and as someone who is Afro-Latina, how do you try to um, kind of face both of those kind of sets of arguments, I'm sure, from both ends? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I think that's still something I've begun to kind of tackle. It's definitely, specifically like being a Latina and not really having any like outward identifying markers that people can like uh, kind of hook onto. It's like, oh, she's Latina, right? Like I don't have um, a Latina last name. I don't speak Spanish. I don't really look like the monolithic description of what it means to be Latina. So I think uh, part of it is um, finding community with other Latinas and Latinos who are accepting and celebratory of what's different and unique about me in the same way that I would be about them. Um, and also really challenging people who challenge my own identity. Um, I think the beauty of self-identification is that there's autonomy in that. Um, but as with any identity, community mat matters as well. Um, and so it's just a continual struggle to like have a voice um, and, and not be ashamed or silenced by other people who might not support that. Um, what would you maybe uh, say to those who are having, maybe st are struggling with the idea of finding power within mm. identifying as Afro-Latina? Mm. Um, I mean, again, I think there there's real power in, in defining yourself. Um, and that definition can change and it can be wobbly and you can be uncertain about it because you're a human being and that's what we do. But there's power in when you're in a society that is continually trying to limit you by stereotypes and putting you in a box by taking that and defining who you are by yourself and on your own terms um, and that's hard work but it's it's empowering and it's beautiful and it's necessary to have both personal growth and to move communities and nations forward in the direction that we want and then one last question mm -hmm. and I'll let you go yeah um, the idea of belonging has been brought up a lot, especially within mm. what it means to belong within the U.S. and like just to belong. Mm -hmm. um, how is it that you've sort of been um, maybe thinking about the sense of belonging? Um, maybe it could be straight like at Duke, right? There is an idea of what it is to belong at Duke, but within the larger spectrum of the U.S., especially mm -hmm. within the current like political context. Yeah. Like, um, I think. Communities are always within each other, right? They, they exist and they clash and they interact and they meld together. So in a nation that has a history of silencing certain communities over others, um, I think there's power in not only building yourself up, but finding empathy to work in solidarity with other folks who have similar struggles um, and, and letting individuals be individuals. Um, because my experience is different than yours and it should be. Um, and so I think belonging in a climate which doesn't want you there is the ultimate form of protest. To exist is revolutionary um, and there's beauty in that and the revolution must continue, the resistance must continue. Um, and and resistance through existence for real. Like it, it, just being here and speaking and having conversations like this are what belonging means. Having someone who cares about what your voice says and how you feel and where you're coming from, um, that's belonging. And if 
the society won't build it for us, and it's up to us to make sure we curate it. To exist is to act in revolution. Ah, what a wonderful thought, you know, and then so true. Yeah, I feel like many, many don't have to think about that. Like those with the privilege don't have to realize like just, you know, like operating in your everyday, like going to class, like walking on the street, being on the bus, like many have to think about their identity and like the context, um, that plays in, in everything that they do. And so just existing in a place that like clearly, clearly like does not want you. And you can see that through like um, politics, legislation, like all of these things is, is so revolutionary and, and so powerful as we like, you know, just walking in yeah, our lives. Agreed. Absolutely. And as she was saying as well, um, the revolution must continue, right? We must continue to persist and like simply, like you were saying, like just to exist and to go about your day, you you have to keep doing it, you know? It's funny because, you know, although I'm asking some of these questions, sometimes I phrase them in ways where it's like, maybe it's implied that there's like a definite answer, but I really liked how she responded when I asked her, you know, so there's like, tell me more about what it's like to feel as if you're not enough in certain aspects. And she, you know, admitted it's something that she's still working through, right? It's like, it's funny because all of these things we're still working mm-hmm. through. It's such a continual process. There's no end point, really. Um, it's something that we're still learning and working. Yeah, so we have some more and we hope you enjoy. What do you think of the idea that um, someone has to be Latino enough? So, yeah, I've, I've definitely gotten that, um, especially because of the way I speak or, like, the way I dress sometimes. Like, I'll have, I'll have other Latinos or Hispanic people just say, like, I thought, you know, you're not Latino, you're white or whatever. But then that's when they, that's before they get to know me and they realize by their standards I'm more Latino than they are. Like, you know, I speak the language, I've been to the country multiple times, that type of deal. So I really don't put any stock in that. Um, when people say that, it used to it used to kind of frustrate me and annoy me. Not anymore, just because I know that's not true. Mm. Because you know, I am I am Latino, I am Hispanic, and then you know they eventually see that, and then I try to show them why that that's a really bad metric to measure somebody by. It's it's really frustrating because I know in high school, like I would tell people like I'm half Panamanian. I'd have to say that for people to be like, oh, like you're not just black because in high school being just black was quote-unquote like boring was like um people were super ignorant about that and like if you're they like to fetishize like hispanic women latino women and just like if you don't look like that type of woman like i guess you don't count a lot of other latinos or even white people don't necessarily count me as latina just because like um the tone of my skin or stuff like that so a lot of people are like oh, but you've been here a long time, right? Or like, oh, but your parents were not. And um, that's kind of upsetting. I know lots of people get 
flack, you know, maybe looking very white and saying that they're Latino. And they're, they very well are Latino. They're just of a lighter complexion, you know. And people, for people to deny that, for people to challenge that, is just fairly, at times, rude. Um, and I stand up for those people, you know, because it's much more than how you look. It's where you come from. I know, like, I don't look like the typical Latina girl. Like, I don't have, like, the loose hair. I definitely do not have, like, that typical, like, light brown complexion. But, like, don't try to make me feel, like, less Latina because I don't look like the typical Latina. Like, that's not what it's about. It's about, like, your roots. It's about your heritage. It's about, like, who you are as a woman. Just, like, breaking that stereotype of saying, like, you just can't assume and just knowing that it's beautiful. Like, there are people that are Afro-Latina, Latina of all shades, all hair types, and just being proud of that is very important to me. My name is Alex Sanchez Bressler. Great. Yes. Um, awesome, Alex. So, what do you identify as? What do I identify as? Racially? Yes. Okay. Um, I identify as mixed race. Um, so, I try to now. I try to stay away from saying like half white, half Latino. Generally, just go more towards mixed race because I think that splitting it into halves is not a very accurate way of understanding identity um in the past i've identified as white um i'd say like now i identify more as not white um but yeah it's definitely been like a contentious area and like understanding um throughout the years definitely depends on who i'm spending time with and who i'm having conversations with so it's a very uh relational sort of idea Mm. Um, so tell me a little bit more about your family and your roots. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh. Um, my family and my roots, my roots, my roots, my roots. Um, my my dad. He's he's white. He's from North Carolina. He is from, like, like an upper-middle-class family. His family went to universities. Um, my grandfather taught at university. Um, yeah, so just, like, a general... That's a narrative that... Um, that has pretty much been dominant um, in terms of, like, the way that I've understood my own identity um, pretty much up through high school, I'd say. Um, my mom, very different situation. She's Latina. She grew up in San Antonio. Uh, it's like poor neighborhood. Um, I don't know. I mean, how do I say this? I guess, I mean, there is this strange moment I had like, uh, year ago or so when I stopped thinking about my parents as parents as like this unified parent like you know sort of just like set of parents um 
and I started thinking of them as people and I have a lot of um, I'm still very I, I, I'm still very ambivalent <laughs> about mm. how about navigating um, the ways that I think about my parents childhoods um, especially since I my childhood looks more like my dad's childhood than it does look like my mom's mm. um, so that's that's been something that I mean, that comes up racially in terms of, like, identification. I would say that's why I identified as white. Um, though now, okay, I just want to say this now because I know we've had conversations of this before, but conversations about being, like, light-skinned or being, like, mixed-race or something, often that centers the conversation on, like, having some sort of white privilege or light-skinned privilege and... That's something that I'm trying to avoid centering in this kind of conversation. Um, but also that's been my experience. So I guess I just want to move on with that caveat. Um, I'm supposed to be talking about my parents' roots. <laughs> yes, but I think so also but the point of like this series though is the power of self-identification outside of outside of impositions placed on us very often. Sure. Very much in relation to whiteness. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, if you identify as mixed race, then that's right. exactly how right. I will thus identify and, and interact with you right. as. Right. And let, let me say this about self-identification. I think that self-identification is very, very powerful. It gives, it gives agency to the person who is identifying because like so often, especially for people who are not white, r- racial identity is something that is imposed, right? There's like, it's almost this like non-consensual interaction of someone racializing you and that creates a certain situation that um, privileges people with white skin or lighter skin versus people with darker skin. But also, I think that we shouldn't say that self-identification is it just isolates your racial identity to your to your body because i guess what i'm thinking of is like one of the most salient memories i have um of being like of like identifying racially is when my mom used to call me creamy right she'd always you know which is like an interesting thing um because she has dark skin right um but my dad he's very pale and so i come out and i'm i'm creamy and that's something that i positively identify with um, and it's something that my mom almost, she, you know, she kind of gave me that term to work with, but it's still sort of like a self-identification in that I'm taking that and I'm making it my own. Fair. Yeah. That's valid. Um, all right. Okay. <laughs> what does it mean to be mixed race at Duke? Um, I think my first couple years, it meant being... Okay, being mixed race for me, because mixed race, there's an incredible amount of variety, and there's often an assumption that it's white plus, like, a race, like, of color. Um, That's my situation, but a lot of people are mixed race in in other ways. Um, But for me, I'd say that more often than not, I'm racialized as white by white people, and if I'm with, like, other Latinx students, then maybe as, like, a Latino uh, student at Duke. But I don't know, there's like cool organizations like Duke Swirl um, that hold events that are focused on like mixed race experiences, not like a non-existent presence on campus, Um, though like, you know, implicitly at a campus like Duke, there's going to be 
an overwhelming white presence, even if the numbers don't back that up. We were talking about this yesterday, just in the faces of institutions and the way that they're built and set up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great. Great. Yes. Um, thank you. Uh, all right. So, you know, in the face in the face of um, post Trump. Um, you know, uh, the, <laughs> the Latinx community and the community that, you know, in any way, form, or asset do identify as partially Latinx, um, there's a threat there, right? Um, there's, like, this idea that, like, there's, there's, that we don't belong. Um, how do you assert your belonging? I like the open-endedness of this question because I think, you know, belonging means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. Um, something like belonging within a racial community that means something like some people that's like a main focus some people it's something that they aren't really conscious or focusing on um, I find the most belonging just in my like close intimate relationships with with friends with family oh my gosh I think about my family so much um, I think I, like an abnormal amount um, I think about my family. That's what my summer project is going to be about. It's about my family. Um, and so I think that um, I find belonging within myself, you know, because sometimes it's easy to feel, I'd say like, as a mixed race person, like it's easy to feel sort of like split, which is why I don't like thinking about it in halves. Um, so finding belonging comes from, you know, consolida consolidating memories mm -hmm. and, and, and thinking about you know, sort of like the love that I've had that makes me who I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are a lot of beauties in, you know, identifying as, in, in being a part of, of a Latinx community, you know, and being, being surrounded by that culture. Um, what would you say some of those beauties are for you? They could be anything, small or big. Um... The music I listen to is different. Um, little bits of Spanish that come into conversation that remind me of my mom. Um, that's, that's really wonderful. Um, there's just like, like I have, okay, can I go on a quick tangent? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I have, uh, okay, I'm trying to keep anonymity. There's this person who is in a position of power over me institutionally and we're like kind of friends but they're white and every time I see them they're just like hey like this great group of people came into this place today and they were really cool and all these great things and also yeah they were they were people of color too and it's just like every single conversation is about is about is this sort of like strange sort of like guilty conversation about race and you just don't you don't get that <laughs> when you're not talking to like a person who's only white wow so that. it's just it's just you know there's like maybe even for people who are conscious of this even for white people that are you know, like super conscious it's just kind of a you know there's this sort of like unsettled feeling around it and i don't feel that with other latinx people or people of color uh, so that would probably one other thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. One last question and I'll let you go. <laughs> what would you say um, to someone who's having trouble identifying as Latinx? 
depends on who they are. It depends on who they are. Um, someone who's having trouble identifying as a Phoenix. I mean, okay, so let me just, because I think there's a million reasons why someone might be feeling that way. Maybe, I mean, and I'm not going to try and name them all, but in my own situation, which I can speak to, um, it was just because, honestly, it was in the car with, it was in the car with, with you, Eliza, and I was talking about how I couldn't pronounce certain words and I felt weird trying to pronounce them and you just gave me this very loving affirmation of like it's okay and yes you can and even if it doesn't sound perfect then like that's still something you know um, I thought that was very important um, yeah I mean we keep talking about how you're trying to find all the Latino men on campus and it's like, <laughs> I'm like <"Wah."> uh, <laughs> I think I think creating spaces and being in spaces that sort of are intentionally focused around creating that community is very very important for because that's what I'm saying um, is that identity is it's an intensely personal thing but it's also relational you know in that if we're creating communities of Latinx people, then, then that helps strengthen that sense of belonging or a sense of, of, being, um, I, of uh, being able to identify with that because there's you know, a community that you can see in yourself. Um, so I think that. Yeah, absolutely, yes, yes, yes. All right, thanks, Alex. Okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so great um we had a lot of incredible things to say you know um one thing that that stuck with me was when he was saying his mom would call him creamy um because it shows the impact parents play on our conception of our identities um and also just you know it makes me think like to be a parent and understand that your child is going to go through an experience different than your own and and doing what you can to to guide them through this this journey that you yourself may not fully understand um especially in the concept of of mixed children and their parents agreed and i and i think the idea that he touched upon is like sort of the malleability of our identity right like he says how sometimes he feels more white in certain contexts and more Latinx in certain, like, in other situations. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, there's, like, that – it's nice to have that affirmation when you're, you know, within a community, um, right? Like, within a Latinx community, like, rec- like being recognized as Latinx is, like, there's so much power to that. You know, it's it's tough, and um, but I think, you know, what this podcast is saying is there are so many different ways to claim an identity – and I felt for him on the pronunciations because, you know, Eliza, you and I have had conversations where I'm like, ah, 
maybe I just shouldn't say this name or, or this word because I don't think I can pronounce it right. And for me, sometimes I feel like it's it's more so disrespectful um, to to say something not how it should be said. Um, but also, as I say this, I know it's a completely different context than Alex, um, since I don't identify as being Latinx. Um, but yeah, it is just, it is something you think about. And yeah, and that's, and that's the thing that was like, the effort itself is what's most appreciated, right? Like just trying, um, is what's really important and stands out and ends up meaning a lot. If you don't speak Spanish, that doesn't invalidate your Latinidad. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many circumstances like around Spanish, right? Like some people don't grow up speaking Spanish because, you know, parents try to protect them because sometimes having an accent or speaking Spanish, you know, in a country where it's, it's not one of, um, you know, the dominant languages, so to say, um, I mean, it currently is starting to become one, but, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. But like, yeah, Chandler, I mean, like, you know, even you trying goes such a long way. It's, it's incredible. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, Okay, well, I'm excited to hear the rest of these. Um, so tell me about your family, your roots. So my mom is from Panama. She moved to the United States um, when she was 26 with my dad. My family is from the, so like my mom's family primarily from like the capital of Panama, but like the other half of our family is from El Interior, which is in Montijo, which is like about four hours away from the capital. Most of my family here, lucky enough, we're all from New York. We all live 20 minutes away, so we get to see each other a lot, which is wonderful. The rest are in Colombia, and then we have some scattered everywhere, but we, we try to see each other all the time, Skype in, even if we're kind of spread out. Um, and we just really make that a big part of our lives. It's definitely tough not having your family so close and missing out on so many things. Uh, my mom's family is in Colombia, so that's definitely hard, just Christmas and birthdays. But it's like I'm so thankful for Skype and FaceTime. Like that's still, I mean, we talk every week. But I'm so thankful for technology to like allow me to still like live our lives together. My name is Naira Warren. Um, my full name, Naira Inez Warren. Um, you can pronounce it Naira or Naira. Either way is fine because I get called that way, both like equally both ways. So that's how I introduce myself whenever I tell people. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yes. Um, uh, can you tell me what you identify as? Um, so I am an African American, Puerto Rican, and Dominican woman. Um, I was born in Ithaca, New York, and raised in North Carolina so I am a southern girl at heart um, but yeah I consider myself Afro-Latina um, and African-American. Nice. Yeah um, so I 
have found so growing up I've always found it weird to kind of balance the two cultures together um I never truly fit in or felt like I never fit in um anywhere um with especially within the African-American community individually and then within the Latinx community um um, in terms of the Latinx side I don't speak fluent Spanish so I never felt like I could really understand um, the conversations or they never accepted me because I couldn't speak Spanish. And then in terms of my African-American side, um, I grew up with my mother and she's Puerto Rican and Dominican and my father is African-American and he lives in New York. And so I didn't really grow up with African-American culture. So I didn't feel I was culturally competent to be an African-American, um, but I looked like them. So I felt like, I, I don't know, I felt like I didn't belong anywhere. I couldn't fit anywhere. So coming to UNC, I really made it a choice to find people who accepted me for who I am, um, regardless of how I identify. Um, and I feel like I found that. Um, I think being Afro-Latina, I've, I've never considered myself Afro-Latina until I came to college. Um, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, it was definitely not talked about when I was in high school or middle school. Um, and then coming here, I realized it's more than just how you identify and how you look, like just being a dark Latina. It's, it's a, there's a political side to it. It's about knowing your roots and knowing that you have African roots within your identity and being Latinx. You are not just, you know, one, one race or one ethnicity. You are a mixture, you know, of different things. And being the way I am and looking the way I look, I completely felt like I fit in with that identity and what it truly means and to me being Afro-Latina is embracing who I am and truly who I am and not um, worrying about what other people think of that and you know fighting that stereotype or that stigma of having to look long brown hair dark eyes curvy woman I mean I'm curvy yes and I have brown eyes but I have kinky hair and I'm very dark skin and so you know considering myself Afro-Latina and saying Afro-Latina um, really emphasizes the fact that I look the way I am and I still consider myself Latina and you're not going to tell me any different. Yes. Yeah. So. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Ah. Oh, so then what would you say to someone who's having power in identifying as Afro-Latina? Um, use that power, you know? Um, like if you're ever feeling like, you know, timid, about saying that you know take that power that you feel when you're when you like when you say afro-latina feel it feel the power that it rolls off the tongue you know and take that power that comes with the word um and use it to your advantage educate people um you know tell people who you are you know there's some ignorant people out here but you know, you got to fight the system. you got to tell people, you know, what it is, what it is. And if you don't accept it, that's okay. Yeah. But, you know, that's who I am. You can't change it. So I say if you're trying to find who you are within that, you know, use the power to your advantage and make it your own. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, can we, so can I ask a little bit more about your family? And mm -hmm. your yeah. yeah. Um, so... Like I said, my father is African-American. Um, he was 
born and raised in upstate New York, Rochester. Um, my mother is Puerto Rican and Dominican. So my grandmother is an immigrant from Santo Domingo, Dominican Republic. And my grandfather, grandfather is an immigrant from Mayagüez, Puerto Rico. Um, they moved here to America when they were pretty young. My grandfather, he came here when he was like eight. And then my grandmother came when she was like 20, 22, something like that. So they've been here for a while. Um, but I consider myself a second generation immigrant. Um, my mother grew up, they grew up in New York, in Har um, Spanish Harlem, Washington Heights area. Um, so a lot of Dominicans and Puerto Ricans over there. Um, and so my family were really tight knit, um, at least my mom's side. Um, we're really tight knit family. We go visit New York all the time. And um, even though, you know, being here in the South, I grew up with Southern culture, um, but always going to New York, I always felt like I had that, that Caribbean culture that I didn't really feel like I got down here. Um, I would hear people speak Spanish all the time. I would have certain, hear the music all the time in New York and the food. Um, which is amazing, so great, you know? Um, but yeah, my family, my mom's side of the family were really close. Um, and then in terms of my dad's side of the family, um, I would see him maybe once or twice a year. So we're not super close, but you know, I he, he still keeps in contact with me. Um, and I, I try, I definitely, I know that this is, being African-American is half of who I am. So I still try to, you know, learn about my history and who I am in terms of my African-American side, yeah, you know? Um, so even though I'm removed from it physically, I still accept who I am and learn and learn who, about who I am. And whenever I'm with my dad, too, I ask him questions about our family. Like, where are we from? Do you know anything about, you know, mm -hmm. our history? And a lot of, apparently a lot of my family, they're from down south. They're from Mississippi, Louisiana, you know? Yeah. So... That's, that's kind of how we are. It's, it's, and then my family, my African-American side of family, they're pretty accepting of me being who I am. Yeah. Um, I remember growing up, though, sometimes it was a little weird because I would say some Spanish words mm -hmm. or have certain cultural idea, and they would not agree with that, and mm -hmm. they would say, oh, it's because of your mom kind of thing. And yeah. I'm just like, uh, what do you mean? Like, mm -hmm. do you still not like me? Like, I'm still your daughter or I'm still your granddaughter still your niece you know but I mean now that I'm older it's fine like everything's cool like they accept it and then the struggles are also very similar between African-American culture and Latina culture like Latino the Latinx culture like our struggles intertwine and our culture is not the same obviously but they're very similar and so um I found it I, f I find it very easy to kind of mix who I am and, and express it Absolutely. in a positive way Wow, yeah. oh, that was so beautiful to hear. Thanks, Thanks. for sharing that with me. No problem. Um, one last question and then I'll let you go. You talk, You um, identified also yourself as like a second generation immigrant. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm curious that within like the current political climate where, um, you know, being, you know, Latina, Afro-Latina is like continuously, like our belonging here is continuously being like questioned. Mm -hmm. How do you assert your belonging? Wow, oh, that's a good question. Mm hmm um, I just, I don't know. I just know I belong here. My family, they came here to have a better life. You know, we've struggled, obviously, but we've established who we are, our family, our culture here. Um, even though we've immigrated here, like, 
historically my family even though we immigrated here we like I said we've established our place um and we're not gonna go anywhere you know um I I am a citizen my family belongs here I belong here I, I honestly don't know. Like, we're, we're just here, you know? And we've established our place by getting our education, um, teaching those values of love, family, dedication, respect, education, you know, down our family line. And um, it, it's just we're here, yeah. you know? I, I don't know how else to no, explain it. No, I mean, it. that's it. You're right. We're here. Yeah. Yeah. But... Um, as an Afro-Latina and an African-American, you know, in these times it's, it's difficult, you know, I struggle every day, but, you know, I, like I said before, I, I'm confident and I have to have power, you know, use my voice as a source of power mm -hmm. um, to establish my space and claim my space yeah. that I'm here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
So what would you say to someone who does think that, like, being Colombian or being part of, like, the Latinx community is one that is very monolithic? Yeah, that's definitely a huge thing. Like, everyone will automatically assume that I love spicy food. And I'm like, no, like, I don't, we don't eat spicy (laughs) food. That's not part of who we are. Or um, they'll think, like, oh, like, do your mom cooks tacos? And I'm like, no, like, no, she cooks when they have paisa. Like, it's a completely different. And then, or like, especially growing up in a more rural area, like, everyone was just Mexican. And like, I love Mexican people. Like, they are so beautiful, but my community is different than that. So, definitely, like, it's annoying. It's, um, it's very insulting to like just lump everyone together and instead of seeing like all the beauty that's in diversity and all of our foods and all of our music and all of our like, cultural traditions um yeah there's so much that's just skimmed over until like i got to college i didn't really know how to embrace my like my racial identity but since i've been here i know that i'm proud to be panamanian i'm proud to be black and finding that like myriad has been such a great journey and i'm proud to be afro-latina um what would you say to someone who's having kind of uh difficulty seeing the power and identifying as like their ethnicity and their race oh I would definitely like encourage them to like explore more within it and like really try to like engage deeply with it like ask your family questions like look up things because I I think we we fail to see like all that it is like it's so deep and there's it's so rich and there's so much to it like if you look at history and like the people that have came from like our roots or like our music our food like there's so much beauty in it and I don't think it like takes anything away from my identity it just adds so much like when people would say like oh don't speak Spanish or anything I'm like what like I can do what you're doing in English and double that in Spanish like it it just adds to us and like us as people so I would definitely say like encourage it like take it it's empowering you don't have to be able to speak Spanish you know not every Latino speak is able to speak Spanish um Spanish isn't the only language of course in Latino America so you shouldn't always assume that um, you don't have to be a certain complexion you don't have to look a certain way you don't have to be from a certain country you know it's just more about the culture you share it just starts with just number one like embracing yourself self-love is number one for me and when you start embracing that like I know some people are frustrated because like they may not know Spanish and like I'm lucky to say like I'm like I know a lot of Spanish like I can talk to my family some people may say like you know I'm I don't talk to my family um back in my home country I don't um typically visit there like I'm more American than I am Latino like and but I don't know like where to find that balance and the thing is like just like find your roots just find your heritage like like love yourself embrace it and if you know who you are it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Great. Um, so first off, what do you identify as? So, uh, um, this is the dichotomy, right? It's like you take the SAT and you have to put down like race, white, right? And then ethnicity, Hispanic, or sometimes like Hispanic slash Latino, which is also just a loaded question. But I think I, I identify as like Latina and Hispanic. Mm. It's, I mean, I guess I'm both, right? Because I'm from a Spanish speaking country in Latin America, Mm. but yeah, I don't, 
like people are like oh but you have american citizenship you're american i'm like no i don't feel american i feel like i'm from miami uh, more than anything else yeah so kind of delve more into that i mean like talk to me about like your family yeah so i moved from argentina when i was four um argentina is just like the basket case of any economic policy put in place in latin america um and we moved to miami with my mom and my dad and like my mom started working the day after we got there um i learned spanish in preschool or english english in preschool um but i'm an only child um i live with my parents when we came to the states my mom didn't want to have another kid and then put them in daycare while she was working so um we ended up just just being me that's amazing. Um, um, so what is it like for you to be Hispanic and Latina at UNC? Um, it's an interesting time. Uh, I remember first day of Econ 101, I was sitting next to a guy and people were like, oh, like, what's your name? Right. And I don't I don't like like they automatically assume that it's going to be like, I'm going to say Catalina, if anything, which is like the English pronunciation of my name. But that's not what I feel like my name is. So I was like, oh, Catalina. And either they go, oh, can I have that again? Like, what, what did you just say? Or this guy goes oh, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, Argentina. And he goes, what? You're so white. And I was like, God, really? Like that first day, Econ 101, freshman year. Um, and that's that's really what I was exposed to, which, I mean, people are definitely understanding, but it's kind of like a shock to the system. Especially I have a lot of friends who are like, oh, but you're American. And I'm like, no, but I don't feel American. I was raised like Hispanic. I was raised in Hispanic culture. Um, I eat dinner at 10 p.m. Like that's just things that like most American people eat dinner at like 6, 5.30 and I was just not used to that um, so it's always like this weird intersection of having all of these cultural parts of me that I can't share with anyone else um, like uh, the concept of personal space is very different for me, like even in Miami it's like you stand really close to someone and they're comfortable with it um, or like the besitos on the cheek when you go anywhere that's like not something that's societally acceptable at all in North Carolina and most parts of North Carolina. Um, and so that, all of that was just, it was very new for me to be in an environment where most people didn't share at least some part of my culture. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you kind of already talked a little bit about this, but maybe um, expand more on the idea of how people so constantly think that there's this monolith of what it means to be Latina, right? This one way. Yeah. <laughs> um, one way to look and act and speak. I mean, what would you say to that? Well, I mean, I think I definitely struggled a lot when I was younger with like not being curvy, not being like having big boobs and like big hips and all this kind of stuff. Cause like my ancestry, I have four last names. One is Turkish. The other one's Russian, Dutch, and Italian. So like there's no like indigenous in me at all there's no spanish colonialist in me at all i'm basically just like eastern european um which is just not what people think about when they think about hispanic or latina women um and so like i'll i'll tell people my name and they'll be like oh that's exotic right but you don't look latina right because you don't have like big boobs and and a big butt or whatever um and so it's always been like like i live in a very venezuelan community um, where like there are some 15 year old girls getting boob jobs right and for me it was always like all right like I'm petite I'm like not very curvy um, and for me it was like being in this very Latina society for all of my life and like the machista society that is Miami um, but I don't look like like people talk about for example like stereotypical um, 
reflections of being Latina in the media, right? And, like, yes, like, those are a problem, but, like, also, that's not what a, like, Latina women aren't all, like, curvy and bodacious. Like, the media interpretations of them are obviously flawed, but also there's, like, this whole other side of being Latina that, like, you don't necessarily have to look like that. Um, And it's always, like, this difficult dynamic between wanting to look one way and not looking that way and like being physically unable to change the way that you look yeah. and they, they're really hyper sexualized in the media as well yeah 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 it's it's incredibly disturbing definitely um yeah i mean what would you see in regards to like the current climate around the idea of belonging yeah. right as someone who is latina or hispanic i mean um what would you say in terms of asserting that type of belonging here in the u.s i think that it's something to be proud of like i had a girl the other day she i introduced myself to her and i pronounced my name how it should be pronounced and she goes i'm so happy that you actually pronounce your name like that she's like because like that's your name and i was like yeah you're right like that is my name um and i think that there's there's a lot to be said for um really showing especially how divided this country is right now showing people who might not be exposed to racial diversity that there is racial diversity in this country and that the people in this country who came to this country um, as immigrants or who are not their roots are not originally this country help to increase diversity and are sometimes the most ardent supporters of this country because this is like the dream this is like what what allowed people to escape from places that weren't necessarily economically feasible for them to stay in um and so I, I think that there's a lot to be said for demonstrating that belonging is important and educating others on how, like, like we're not, like, Hispanics are not here to take people's jobs, right? We're here because this is, like, the American dream and this is, this is where opportunities are. And it's, it's not necessarily, like, in, in countries that are rampant with corruption and economic downfall, right? Um, and I've have so many friends who just like become citizens and are so proud of having an American citizenship that like it, it, they don't have like negative opinions about this country. They don't have like bad things to say about it and, and mad bad wishes for it. Right. It's just it's all like we're proud to be here. We're proud to, to belong and, and be American. Okay, so you just heard from Catalina, and I think what what stands out to me most is, you know, when she's talking about um, these images of, like, what it means to be Latina, um, especially in the media, um, and I think, you know, a lot of people, a lot of women of color can can relate to this being stereotyped in, in what you look like, and, and feeling pressures to to be a certain size, to be a certain skin tone, to have a certain type of hair. Um, it really speaks to the power of media and, and how that plays in so many, so many women and men's lives. Um, and I, I always, I, I just want people to understand like how that can impact you. Like from when you're a small, a small child looking at like this TV show to being, you know, like a grown woman looking at social media and and having people really inflict what, what you're supposed to look like and how you're supposed to see yourself. Um, a little tangent. (laughs) There's a, a notion of 
challenging those perceptions and like really allowing someone to you know think outside a box that very often is placed on women of color right like you must look a certain way um even act a certain way it's all about challenging mm-hmm. challenging these really rigid boxes that we're so often placed in and I think that speaks to in all of these things and in, in talking about belonging um and finding your belonging and how so much of that is tied to just you being comfortable with you and you understanding your worth and and while it's difficult because we have all of these messages um being being placed before us but always finding that peace within yourself and in knowing that you are enough yes you are enough (laughs) you belong (laughs) yes yeah and with that um (laughs) Yeah, and with that, we'd like to say thank you yeah. so much for for joining us. Thank you so much to to Simone, to Alex, to Naira, to Catalina, to Crystal, Maria Paula, David, Aurelio. Thank you for allowing me to photograph you and interview you. Special thanks to Chandler for creating this incredible podcast and putting it together. Ah. Uh, uh. You are too kind, too kind. Thank you, Eliza, for these interviews. And special shout out to Andre Mego for the beats that you have heard in this episode. Um, and before we leave, uh, we're going to end with, um, with words from one of the people we've interviewed because we want everyone to understand the context of where this podcast is coming from. Um, the political climate that we're in. Um, I mean, we have, let's, let's be real folks. We have a president who has said some not so, not so nice things about, about the people, um, in, in the States and in these podcasts and, and all of that. And, and to have someone leading a country, um, who is very clearly opposed to your existence, um, is something that we can, we can never forget. And we always need to, um, you know, we always need to work to, to make sure that doesn't happen again (laughs) and to make sure that the people um, who are under these stigmatizations um, know that they do belong. And with that, we'll end with the words of Aurelio. Thank you for joining us. Um, So I would say that it's definitely an experience being Latino right now um, during this political climate. I would, having all my family as immigrants and me, myself, being an immigrant, it's just it's a little, really disheartening to hear what some of these people have to say, including our own president. Um, but that doesn't stop me. If anything, that just fires me up more to fight for the things I believe in, to become more of an activist, to take more roles in um, these these things for change you know whether it's marching for what i believe in or whether it's for just discussing with people debating with people on like things that i believe should be heard i think it's really important and so for those struggling right now in like a post-trump era i think it's very important to note that you're not alone so many people share your sentiments so many people share what you're feeling right now and that i myself and so many other people are doing what we can and that, of course, with your help, too, we can, we can do a lot. Yeah, we can. <laughs>